The following was recorded on Saturday, August 5th, 2022. Hello and welcome. This is Colin Daly with Parkour Ed, where I sit down and talk with members of the IFS community. Today I have a very, very special guest, and I will let her introduce herself. What's your name? My name is Marie Daly. We know each other quite well. Yes. I'm glad you agreed to sit down and do this interview with me in English. I think it'll be great for everyone to hear your experience, your parcours, as we say in French, how you came about ending up finally at the S. I think it'll be also interesting for our family since we are, of course, related. So let's start with you. When were you born? I was born in 1964 in Paris in the 14th arrondissement. What can you tell us about your name? My maiden name is Guez, which is a name from the region of Brittany because my parents are both from Brittany. I didn't grow up in Brittany, but I used to go every summer and spend the whole summer in Brittany. Does your name mean something in the Breton language? Yeah, it means wild. Marie is what we say in English. Marie, yeah. In English, we say Marie because uh, my real name is Marie-José, but it was too complicated when I moved to uh, USA. People were asking me my name, and I cut it short to Marie, because even when I say Marie, they say Mary or Marie. So I was like, okay, we'll make it simple, Marie. So you were born in Paris, 1964, and you went to school your whole life in Paris? You lived in the 14th arrondissement? No, I lived in the 14th, and then I moved to Pantin, Porte de la Villette. Then I moved to the 20th. Then I moved back to the 14th. And then I moved to Taiwan. All right. But in your childhood, you went to school in mostly... In Paris, the 15th, in fact, and also in Pantin. So you speak English very well. I assume that's because you went to the United States when you were young and also because you're married to me and I'm American and our kids <laughs> yeah, are Yeah, but we do speak French together. We, we usually speak French together. So this is kind of unique for us to have a conversation in English. Exactly. Uh, what was your first experience with foreign language? When did you first start learning a foreign language, any foreign language? Well, when I was in sixième, I guess like most of the students uh, my generation, we started the first language in sixième and the second one in quatrième, which is sixth grade and eighth grade. I went for the first time in, I guess, Oxford when I was in seconde. I went there with EF for like a week or two with a friend of mine who was in my class. And then in première, 11th grade, we did an exchange with Western Massachusetts. So I went for two or three weeks in a family. I lived with a family in Western and I went to school with her and we did visit the area also. I remember to go to Salem and I think we spent also three or four days in New York. So that was my first experience in USA. And as far as foreign languages go, your parents speak French. Yes. But your father also speaks Breton. What was your experience with the Breton language? My parents used to speak Breton when I grew up in Paris, but it was a kind of the sacred language, so we could not understand what they were talking about, or other people could not understand what they were talking about. And usually people don't recognize that language 
not a lot of people. I've heard people speaking Britain, I guess, when you live in Paris. So people were sometimes wondering where they were from. That must have been interesting. When you were growing up in college or grade school, were there a lot of other people around you who spoke other languages or mostly everybody just spoke French? Mostly everybody spoke another language, either Spanish, Portuguese, Arabic. Mostly everybody was speaking another language. Not English, though. Nobody was speaking English. Not really. <laughs> and so English wasn't the first foreign language that you started learning. Yeah, it was the first. And then in quatrième, I took German because, I mean, it was... Not a real choice, although I liked it. I liked German a lot, but it was kind of, okay, if you're good at school, you take German and it's Latin. Good. I also took Greek when I was in second. Oh, I see. I didn't know that. That's <laughs> great. I get to interview you, so I yes. get to learn some new things about you. When you were in school, uh, brothers and sisters... Two brothers. What was your main focus of study? What were you mostly interested in when you were in high school? In high school? I don't know. I liked everything. I think I mostly liked the subject when I liked the teacher, really. I mean, I was okay in all subjects, pretty much. And I don't know. I really enjoyed taking pictures quite early. And uh, I really started reading when I was in second. That's where I really had a teacher that made me appreciate reading a lot. So I think it was really depending on the teacher, did, motivation of the teacher. Did a teacher influence you at all in photography? You said you liked taking pictures very early on. Was that influenced by a teacher? No, no. I think maybe it was... I was taking some lesson of Tisa weaving in a community center and there was graphic classes. So every time I was going there, I was looking at people taking pictures and developing also some pictures. So it really triggered, I think, an interest in me. I think also there was one thing that was my first present was a little camera, an ACFA, a very small one. I was giving that present when I was about I was 10, 11, I was doing my first communion, and that was the present I had. And in fact, starting that moment when I had that camera, I was taking pictures of the family, all the family events, and I really enjoyed it. So I think this was also another trigger that really made me appreciate photography. And I spent a lot of time in the library around my house, there's many libraries, but when I was little, reading fictions was not really my thing, but I loved reading documentary. And I did start reading about some photographers and how a camera works and things like that. So I spent a lot of time looking at pictures in library around my house. So you finished your baccalaureate, and then what did you do? What was next? I studied medicine. Tell yes. us about that. <laughs> So I had the back C, which is math and physics. At that time, I thought I wanted to be a photographer and a journalist, but I didn't really know how to do it. And I was in a class where most of the students will be doing medicine or law or economy. So we were not so many. We were like 17, I think 16, 17 in the class. So it was kind of weird to do something like photography with all these students around me that were doing those and I really wanted to do psychiatry for children that was really something that I wanted to do 
But I have a little problem is that I can't stand watching people bleeding or blood. So it was a bit tricky. So I did medicine thinking if I do psychiatry, I might not have to deal with too much blood. But in fact, quite early, I was convinced that I was not done to do these studies. So I stopped after six months. And I continue wondering about what I was going to do. The aversion to blood. You cannot avoid blood when you're a medical student. Exactly. What were they having you do? Did you have to do something? We had some dissection. Dissecting things is not something you can do. Oh. You reoriented yourself. You stopped your medical studies. And then what and did you do? And then I think I went to a ski or I was really wondering what I was looking for. I knew I was really uh, interested by journalism and photography. But still, at that time, I didn't really know. I kind of looked around and I went to uh, some centers that existed at that time. I don't know if they still exist to find where to go, depending on the job you wanted to do. But it was kind of, I don't know, it seems to be for me that it wasn't the proper things to do. At some point, I had one of my best friends decided to become a teacher. And I was discussing with her one day, and she said that she wanted me to go with her to take the exam, to go to, at that time, the Ecole Normale, normal school. I decided that was something that I could do with her. And I was kind of interested by that, but I wasn't thinking that I wanted to be a teacher at that time. But Did you think that it approached a little bit the idea of child psychiatry, yeah. child yeah. psychology, t- teaching is child psychology? I know that I did enjoy spending time with kids because I did a lot of activity with kids. What experiences did you have with kids before becoming I, a teacher? I was a ski manager for quite a lot of vacation during the year. And I work in the Centre de Loisirs that was the, and Centre de Vacances. So I spent a lot of time with kids and I did enjoy it. So it was something that I think I could do and I could do well. So I went to take the exam with my friend, France. It was in three sessions, and the first session were both taken. Second session, both taken, and third session, she wasn't taken. I was just uh, very disappointed for her. She really wanted to be a teacher. It was really something she wanted to do since she was little. Finally, she's not doing it. She's working for the European Bank now, and I became a teacher. So life is strange sometimes. So you went to accompany her, basically. Yeah. You went with her. It was It's her idea. She She wanted to be a teacher. She was gung-ho. But you said, okay, I'll go along with you. And Mm -hmm. and she didn't get selected. And she didn't want to go back and try again. She decided she'd go another direction. But at that time, you had to wait for another year. Oh, okay. You could not do it many times during one year. So she had to wait. And for that reason, I think she went back and studied economy. And I think finally she enjoyed it. Tell us, since a lot of the listeners are not French... And a lot of our listeners are French teachers, but are younger, and Ecole Normale isn't what they did. That wasn't their experience. Tell us a little bit about what Ecole Normale was, normal school. What was that, and how did that work? It was three years. The first year, we were studying about the program in math, but also child psychology, development. We're doing a lot of study around the development of the children. Is this for all age groups? Yes, we were doing for old age group 
preschool until 11, 12, fifth grade. Okay. So we had different classes. Some people, after a little while, they decided that what they preferred to do. We had sports. We had all the subjects that we were supposed to teach afterwards. We were studying the program for each subject, but also the child development and other psychology and physiology even. Yeah. So t- people who were destined to teach in middle school and high school, they didn't go to normal school. Normal school was for kindergarten and elementary school or exactly, primary school teachers. Exactly. What's the difference? What was the difference at that time between what a, a primary school and a kindergarten teacher would do, which is a called normal, normal school, and what the secondary teachers But they had a completely different way to do it. Usually they studied their subject, like history or French or sports. For sport, it was a bit different because it was like école normal. There was a concours. An eliminatory exam or a Ex- selective exam. The number of people that will be accepted is decided before. Then after, so the hundred first, for example, are accepted. For sports, is the same. It was called UREPS and it was a school where you had this kind of exam and if you passed, you were there for four years. And at the same time, when I was on the first year of uh, École Normale, I was also at the university. And you could choose whatever you wanted. So I chose to study Lettres Modernes, and I studied African literature and South American literature on the side, and modern literature. What led you to choose those? You said you discovered reading, you enjoyed reading in Segonde, really, and then you branched out. So why did I choose? uh, I don't know. I mean, math, I did uh, baccalaureate in math and physics. I did not enjoy studying math. And physics, I liked it, but I knew I didn't really want to study that. I was not very interested in math or physics. I was interested by science in general, but numbers is not really something that interests me. Okay. (laughs) So you went into a normal school, and from what I understand, it's not just classroom. It's not just studying, reading, writing. You also have practical Yeah, the first year, we didn't have any practical. We started to have practical the second year. The second year, I think twice we went in a class, maybe two weeks or three weeks during the year. Then we had somebody that was coming to see how we were doing and talk to the people around to see. We prepare that training before going there and after we had the feedback. The third year, it was a bit longer. can't remember exactly, but I think we probably had one at the beginning of the year. So we started the year with a class and we had the same class another time during the year. And I think I was in primary. I think I was in fourth grade or something like that, but I don't remember exactly. What year were you working? 86. So then you did your three years of École Normale. And then where were you in Paris? Val de Marne. I was living in Paris at that time in the 14th arrondissement. But when you were taking this exam at that time, you had to choose l'île de France, so Paris and the department around Paris. So you could choose. I didn't know anything about the Val de Marne, but I think because of my ranking, I was taking to Val de Marne. And then I think my first choice was Paris. And I think I was one person in front of me. And then after like four weeks, the director of the Ecole Normale told me that 
I was able to go to Paris if I wanted. But I already spent four weeks at the Ecole Normale in, in Bonneuil-sur-Marne and I liked it. The normal school was all new. It was really nice. I liked some people I worked with. So I decided to stay. I think that was a mistake. I should have gone to Paris. I think it would have been much better, but you know. What's the difference between Val-de-Marne and Paris as far as well, work is concerned? Well, just for me, first I didn't know anything about the Val-de-Marne and also I think you needed a car to go everywhere because whenever I was subbing and I was teaching everywhere I go usually it was changing all the time so I needed a car to go from where I lived in the 14 it would have been better to be closer from home first and I think in Paris they also have other advantage like they had the art teacher they had the sport teacher that we didn't have in Val-de-Marne at that time I don't know if it's still true but when you're in the Val-de-Marne you did everything with your students you had to do the art lessons did Uh, they have foreign language for kids that age at that time no so there was no no foreign language no 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 and also when I went out of the normal school I was subbing for two years so So your first two years of teaching you were a substitute teacher I was a substitute teacher was short term subbing or long term subbing the first year I was long term I was subbing for teachers that were going back to training at the Ecole Normale at that time we had long training like between one week or sometimes six weeks the teacher could go back to the Ecole Normale and train in different subjects and so I did this for the first year and the second year I was what was called a ZIL so I was subbing for sometimes half day there one day there one week was a maximum so I was changing a lot and I didn't feel like I was doing anything really interesting does ZIL stand for something were they letters yes Z-I-L yeah Z-I-L, okay. It's for teachers that were just subbing short-term, but I can't remember it. And that wasn't your favorite thing to do? You didn't like the subbing? No, I really didn't enjoy doing that. You did that for two years. Three years of normal school, two years of working as a substitute teacher. And then after those two years of working as a substitute teacher, what did you do? I wanted to go overseas already. So I went to take some information, but I was told that I should come back when I had white hair. When you had white hair? Yeah. Who did you go to see for the information about working abroad? secretary from, I don't know exactly where I went, but I went to this place that was like academy. And I talked about going overseas, trying to find a way to teach overseas. They told me to come back when I had white hair. So then I forgot about it. And I decided to take a year off to travel and to think about what I wanted to do because I thought that I was not enjoying teaching the way I was doing it. So I took a year off for raison personnelle, for personal reason, and I traveled. First, I found a job in Miami through the International Era Tribune, the newspaper. Oh, the international newspaper. Yes. In, in, like, in the one ads? Yes. In the classified section? Yes. Okay. I had two jobs, New York and Miami. I chose Miami because I lived in Paris and it looks good. Miami, that was another mistake maybe because <laughs> I think I should have gone to New York. I think the job was much more interesting. But I went to Miami and I really didn't like it. I didn't like the person that I was working for so after three weeks I decided that I wanted to go somewhere else and through my brother who worked in Paris at the private gym club I was giving an address and I went to San Francisco to work for a family and so I was not living with them but I was taking care of the kids during the day some days not always and otherwise I was sharing an apartment with two other American girls so I really enjoyed that the last two months 
in USA, I traveled a bit on the East Coast. So I went back to New York and other places. Then I went back to France. Then I looked for a job because I didn't have any more money. When you were living in the United States, you were working for a family, again, working with children because yeah. you had experience with that, and living with American sisters, right? Were they yes. sisters? Yes. So you were speaking English all the time while you were working there. Did you take any structured English lessons or were you just... Uh... I did at the beginning, but in fact, it was a bit too easy for me. I did some lessons with mostly people that were starting English. So I was not very good, but I think the basic was not enough for me. So I quit, but I was talking a lot with my roommates. And also I had a friend called Deirdre that I met. She's Irish. And so I spent a lot of time with her. I even had an Irish accent, I think, at the end of the, <laughs> my time in San Francisco. So that's how mostly I learned English. I had a lot of headaches at the beginning. Headaches from speaking English all the time? All the time, yeah. <laughs> and I remember also the little girl I was taking care of. Sometimes I was asking her how to say uh, oven. I was like, how do you call this? She was two and a half or three, but she was very good. She spoke really well. She had a lot of vocabulary, more than I had, so it was good. <laughs> <laughs> An excellent way to learn. Yeah. When you got back to France, you didn't go right back into the classroom. You took a year. No. You were in the United States, a little bit in Miami, mostly in San Francisco, traveled on the East Coast, went back to France, and it was summertime? It was summertime. So what did you it do? It was the end of June, and I was looking for a job, and I... I just talked on the phone with a friend, and she was in Corsica, and she was working in a restaurant. A friend of mine that used to work as a ski monitor, she said that I could come and work in the restaurant. And this restaurant, it was an adventure. First, because I had never been to Corsica, I'd never been a waitress. And it was a very special place, because Girolag is a place where there is no car. People can go only by boat, or you can walk in the Maquis for a few hours. The Maquis is like in outback in the forest or jungle or whatever it's not jungle it's dry yeah so we had two service in that restaurant which was a seafood restaurant right on the beach and the one at lunchtime was very busy because people were coming with big touristic boats so we had a lot of people in two hours so that was awful but after in the evening it was very interesting because we met people from all over the world they were just traveling on their own yacht or little boat around Corsica or around the world so that was a very very nice experience. I met a lot of people from everywhere and I came back. I did three summers over there. Not as long. I think the last one I only spent one month. In the winter or when it wasn't summertime, you were back working in France? After that summer? After the United yeah. States. Spent a summer in Corsica working in a restaurant and then in the winter you go back to teach? Then? I went back to teach. The first year I taught full-time but then I registered to go to the journalist school in Paris, Le SG. I to go to that school the year after and for two years after I was only part-time teaching so I did have a class in Villejuif which was Port d'Italie so almost in Paris so it was nice for that reason first but also because I really enjoyed having even though I shared the class with the other teacher which was quite nice 
also to work with somebody else, but also it was nice to have my same group. Right, and watch the, their progress from the start of the exactly. year all the way to the end of the year. How did you split the class? Was it split 50-50? Like, did you do Monday, Tuesday, and half of Wednesday? Or how no, did you guys do I that? I had two days, and she had two days. And after, at that time, we worked Saturday morning, but I was in preschool, so we usually didn't have any kids, but we were preparing and working around the classroom or having meetings. So you both go on Saturday? We both go on Saturday when we had the meetings. And could you change the days that you went, or was it always Monday, Tuesday for you? Usually, it was, you know, the people didn't like to change. So I work, I can't remember what days, but like Monday and Tuesday, and she worked Thursday and Friday. Wednesday there was no school though, right? uh, Or it was a half day? Yeah, Wednesday there was no school. So that takes us up to three years of normal school, two years of working, a year in the United States, and then three years of teaching and studying at ESG and working in the summers in Girolat, in Corsica. But when I was uh, studying, of course, you know, I did journalism school, even though I think I was mostly interested by photography. So I started working with some journalists, and they were mostly writing articles, and I was taking the pictures. And that's really what I wanted to do. And I started working with a lot of other people. I did a lot of photo workshop. I really uh, started studying photography, and I think this is really what I wanted to do, but I don't know why it didn't seem to be right to study photography for, I don't know, for one reason or another. It didn't seem to be like a proper thing to do. I didn't think I could live doing that. You didn't think you could make a living doing yes, that? Yes, exactly. Working as a photojournalist. Exactly. It didn't seem like a safe enough choice for a career? Exactly. Or and since I was teaching, and I had been living with my own money for quite a while since... In fact, I was starting normal school because at that time you were paid. From the first year, you had a a salary. As a student, you were paid your salary. Yes, exactly. So at the same time, it was hard to choose because I enjoyed afterwards. I did enjoy being in a class when I was teaching part-time and I had the same students every day and I felt like I was doing something. So it was a hard choice for many reasons. But at the same time, I also wanted to do something else. But it was quite hard because at that time, some people asked me to be part of a lot of projects. But since I was also working part-time, I couldn't do a lot of projects. So I was really in between those two jobs. You were limited by both. I was limited by both, exactly. Because I couldn't participate and do a lot of projects, and I really wanted to do them, but I had to be in school, and it was the two days that I had to work, and I could never change that, and even on Saturday, if I had some jobs offered even during the weekend, I couldn't do it. So after that, I was really thinking of what I really wanted to do and how I should do that, and so I was taking dance class. You yourself were dancing? Yeah, I was okay. taking contemporary dance class because I was also doing a lot of photos in theater and concert because I had a lot of friends that were in this area and dance. So I was working for dance company and theater company and other things related to the artist culture. And then one day I met this friend. She was a teacher, but she had just finished a world tour She went around the world with her boyfriend. At that time, they were studying cinema, and they had decided to go around the world together. And she finished by working in Taiwan. 
She worked at the European French School, and so we were discussing, and she said, well, you should try to go to uh, Taiwan. I was like, well, but I don't know how to do... I went once to ask to be a teacher overseas, and I was told that that was not for me, right? And uh, so she said, just send a letter and a resume, and you'll see. So that's what I did. I sent a resume, and then after a few fourth and back between this school, I was hired. So I left France the year after. What year was that when you went to Taiwan? Nine. I went on a local contract. So I worked three years in Taiwan. And what were you teaching in Taiwan? When I arrived, I was teaching second and third grade. Mixed class, which was a lot of work, especially since I had not done primary school for a while. So I worked a lot, but at the same time, I really enjoyed being in Asia. I really enjoyed being in Taiwan. But I left in the idea that I'll could also take a lot of pictures around Asia in Taiwan and I could do some articles about Asia but at the same time I was working so much as a teacher that I was mostly taking pictures during vacation and few during the weekend but it was very interesting I met a lot of people from all over the world it was a French English and German school so it was very interesting to yeah. see that's where we met yes I met my husband yes. there. <laughs> I remember, I was surprised when I first met you, how many pictures you took. And this was pre-digital camera, so mm. these were rolls of film. And you were going through these rolls of 36 shots, like dozens and dozens of them. And I kept thinking, you know, my family, when I grew up, we had one roll of film with 12 shots that lasted three years or four years. We never took so many pictures, so that was always surprising to me. So in Taiwan, for three years... In Taiwan for three years, and then we decided to go to Jakarta because I thought we wanted to have a different experience. That was our first experience overseas, and we wanted to have a different experience. And when we moved to Jakarta, we traveled a lot in the country, but it was quite difficult to live in Jakarta at that time. It was quite busy, and also my husband decided to go back to study and do his master. Yeah. So then after one year in Jakarta, I moved to Minnesota without a job. But we did get married when we moved there. And then I thought it would be easy to find a job. It was not so easy. Also because not so long after I was pregnant. So it was not easy to find a job. But even at first I was not given the right to work. Right, you did not have a green card. You weren't allowed to work. And there's no French school in Minnesota. Yeah, but there is the Alliance Française. So after I had a provisional card that was allowed to work. So I did work at the Alliance Française. I worked at the University. University Language Center to teach students French. So then I did a lot of different things. I worked in a Montessori school, which was very interesting. It was a very good school. But also I applied to work in USA and I was given the choice to move to get a job in Boston, in San Francisco, in Denver. And we decided to go to Boston. Boston was a very, very interesting place to be. I worked for six years at the French school in Boston. I worked in the mid-K, so moyenne section. And then I worked in first grade the last year. It was very, very nice. I really enjoy living in Boston. The only problem with Boston is that at that time, real estate was very high, the, even though... We really enjoy, and we stayed six years. Yeah, we didn't get to see each other very much 
you and our kids were going to the French school every day, and I was going to a different school. Yeah, I was working at the Franco-American school, which was in Arlington, and then for the primary, it was in Cambridge. So I worked there, but you were working in the American school. A very different schedule. We had different schedules, different vacation schedules, different workday schedules. Everything was different. So So we didn't see a lot of each other. Exactly. So after that time, we decided it was a good idea to try to move back. Also, because I think it was important for me that the kids, Emma and Leo, who was born in Boston... Emma was born in Minnesota, but Leo in Boston. I had also an experience overseas. I remember a conversation where you said you were tired of being the only foreigner in the family. (laughs) After (laughs) After six years, she was fighting to keep the French alive, and she's like, no, we need to go back abroad. I think if coming from a bilingual family, bicultural, French and American, if you live in the United States, it's very difficult to keep being really bilingual because everything is American around you and there is this very proud sense of being American. So I think it's very hard to maintain another culture when you live in the United States. Also, I think we had a great experience in Taiwan and Jakarta for me, and I think it was important. I really wanted the kids to have this experience, so then we decided to move. I started applying for jobs all over the world through an agency, and I was offered jobs in different places, and finally I accepted one at the American School in Singapore. And so, Marie, you applied. I applied at the French School in Singapore and since they were just opening the bilingual classes I was offered a job quite quickly and at that time that year there were a lot of teachers coming from USA from school where they already had the bilingual program because in Boston all the classes were bilingual with a different percentage first grade and second grade were 70 percent French, 30% English, but the whole school was bilingual. So I was offered a job, and then for other reasons, Colin didn't accept the job at the American school. Right. This was in 2006, and after I'd already been offered the job, they wanted me also to teach Spanish on a high level. And I had only taught beginning Spanish before, and I didn't feel up to teaching advanced level Spanish. And so then they said, well, we're only going to offer you a one-year contract and you'll probably not be renewed if you don't teach Spanish. So I decided that I would go with a different option, maybe go to Qatar or Mumbai. And so Marie called the French school and told them that I was not going to take the job because my husband who was offered a job at the American school didn't accept it. So they thought that maybe it was a good idea since he was a teacher and he was American. He could work at the French school. So he was also offered a job at the French school. And we thought, in fact, that it was a great idea because we would have the same schedule. Not the same schedule during the day, but at least we had the same vacation. And so we stayed until this year. Yeah, 16 years. 16 years. 2006 to 2022. And I'm going back for more. Yes. Tell um, us about you. What have you done for the past 16 years at LFS and then IFS? Well, the first year I taught second grade. Then I taught kindergarten. Then I went back to teach third grade. Then I went back to teach kindergarten because I think that's the level that I really enjoy teaching with first grade 
kindergarten and first grade, I think, are my favorite level to teach. So I went back and did that. But also on the side, I continue taking pictures. And since 2013, I started to be a more passionate about it also on the side. So whenever I had some time, I would take pictures. And little by little, I consolidated this project into books about Singapore. But I never had time. I was thinking of doing a book about Singapore to show another side of Singapore, to show other side that the ones that are usually showed, but I never had time to do it. But the COVID has not been so good, but it made me have the opportunity to finish this project. And I printed the first book in uh, 2020, the second one, second summer, that I was not able to leave Singapore. I did the second one. And this year, I will only be doing photographic projects since I will not be teaching next year. That's right. You've retired. I retired. Congratulations. Thank you. (laughs) A young retired woman. Yes. I was offered that possibility because I started and I was like under a different regime. I was a institutrice at that time. Retirement was 55 years old. So if you had taught for 15 years on that status, I could take my retirement quite early. So I did it this year and I will only be uh, working on this project. So now you are a full-time photographer. Yes. And tell us about how you do that. You have a business. Yeah, Marie-Dele Photography is my business and I take mostly street photography. So when people talk about photography businesses, they often think of photographers who take wedding photos or studio photos of people, but that's not at all what you do. No, I go out and I take pictures outside in public spaces. For somebody who takes pictures, what made you want to start the business? What was the catalyst for the business? I just wanted to do the book. And I also offered a photograph to a friend. She really liked it. And little by little, other people liked it and asked me to have it. So I started to sell it. But I really wanted to do this legally. Yeah, because in Singapore, you couldn't really Mm. legally sell... No, because I was also a teacher, so I couldn't do that. So we created this company. When did you launch the company? 2019. So we launched the company because I was really thinking of doing this book, even though I didn't think I would have time, but I was really trying to find a way to do it. I really tried many, many things, and I was a bit desperate because I didn't think I could do it. But then finally, we find a way. So I'm very happy that I had been able to do it for the last two years, especially since I spent so much time in Singapore mostly all summers and vacation. That's when I worked on the books and the photos. I tried to find time to sort them out and look at them, things that I never had time to do. So, you know, I had mixed feelings about the COVID because I had not been able to see my kids for more than two years and my parents and my family. But I must say that it gave me the opportunity to print it and... uh, created these two books with a graphic designer, Lola Jolivet, which it's been a pleasure to work with. And so this experience that was forced upon you by COVID, where you took advantage of your extra time in Singapore, and that experience, would you say that that advanced your timeline for retirement? You said you realized that this is something that you can do and something that is worthy of your time full time. Because I know you've been a successful teacher and you've enjoyed teaching for a very long time. must have been difficult to take that decision. 
Yeah, I do enjoy a lot teaching. I do enjoy my time in class with the kids. But I also enjoy taking pictures. I think there were many things that trigger my decisions. I had an accident two years ago in March 2020. That really affected me seriously. A serious scooter accident. I had surgery and had many little problems after that accident. And I think it made me really think about what I wanted to do. It made me also realize that I could take early retirement, which I didn't know. But during that time, a few months after the accident, I talked to another teacher and I realized that I maybe could do it so that was one thing and also I think I needed to have a more flexible agenda to be able to take advantage of the project that I have and to finish them before we do something else also I wanted to do two workshops I wanted to travel when COVID happened I had a lot of projects in mind during the vacation but also one that was in New York with Alex Webb, another great photographer. So I had planned to go to New York during the vacation, and this never happened the first year, neither the second year because we couldn't leave, and neither this year because finally it wasn't during the vacation time of the school. So for three years, I have this workshop that I couldn't do, and I was really disappointed. So there were like a lot of little things. Also, my parents are getting older, and I think I need to be with them a bit more. And my kids are in Europe, and I realized that during the COVID, if anything happened to them, I might not be able to be with them if they needed me. And that was really something that I wasn't ready to accept. This retirement gave me the opportunity to be there with them if they need me and give me the opportunity to finish my project, give me the opportunity to do some workshop, to meet other photographers. And also I work on another project because I created this group with Charlene Winfred during the COVID. We created this group called Women in Street. SG, which is a group that focuses on street photography, but also it's only a woman, a group of women. And now I work essentially with Carline Wintels, and we do prepare some exhibition. We had last year at Gilman Barak that was open during Women's Day, March 8th, and we have other projects. So I have many, many projects now, maybe getting even too busy with my time. So how can people find out about the projects that you're involved in if they're looking for something to go and see, or what's yeah. the best way for them to keep up with what you're doing? Well, there is a website for Women in Street SG and I have a website Marie Daly Photography there's a lot of information on that site there's still and, and about people what can I see did. your photos yes, too yes yes right now I'm working on the third book Heritage Singapore so I have a lot of work to do because we also have uh, other exhibition in mind so the first tri trimester is already very busy. Well, Marie Daly, thank you very much for sitting down with me and doing this interview. Surprisingly, after knowing you for 30 years and being married for 25, I still learn new things. <laughs> and it's also interesting to talk with you in English. And I think a lot of people can learn about what you've done and also what you're doing and going to do in the future, too. Mm -hmm. Last question. Think back to when you took that test, that concours, in order to become an institute. Mm. Did you ever think you'd end up here? Never. 
Is no. this is this the planned parcours? No, I think I really wanted to travel quite early. I like to discover new places and meet people. But I never thought, no, it was really not the plan. Because I didn't even think of becoming a teacher at that time, really. I think I enjoyed it, and it was a good thing to do. Because it's something that also you never get bored. And I think that's really essential. When you're in the class, the kids give you a lot of energy, even though you, they make you very tired. They give you a lot of energy. Well, I appreciate you sitting down and sharing all of that with us. So we'll say goodbye for now. This is Colin Daly with Marie Daly on Parkour Ed. Bye-bye. Bye now.